morning. I would like to start this morning by talking about a pattern of behavior that more men are guilty of than women. Uh, at least when it comes to dating relationships and stuff like that, okay? Now, I've seen this pattern of behavior a lot of times where a guy, and again, this is not unique to men, you know, but today we're just going to pick on the men for this example. A, a guy falls in love with a girl and becomes so intoxicated with her that he is thinking about her all the time and he's doing all these things to impress her and money is no object. Now, for people who are in college, this might happen in the context of friends. I, I have a good friend who made an announcement to all the other guys, I like this woman. And basically, he was saying that, you know... He was trying to, uh, yeah. And uh, when you're older, it's, it's a little bit more intentional. Like, when you're older, you're willing to use, like, online help. So there's, like, e-harmony, and, and, but you're, you're really choosing someone that you're really into. Now, I know that this may be a foreign experience to some. I've even heard of a term called PAM. Uh, which stands for, to my own shame, passive Asian man syndrome, where a, a woman can feel like, if I have to wait for this Pam to initiate, I might wait all of my life, right? Now, clearly this term is not something the men invented. I think the women invented it, right? But we're not talking about Pam, okay? We're talking about the opposite of that. This is a, a man who knows what he's looking for, who's actively wooing and flirting and inviting and building friendship, and he's really going after someone he's very interested in. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then something incredible happens. We're all into acronyms today. The DTR. No, I'm just wondering for the younger people, do you guys still use that term or do you guys have moved on to another term? You still use that term, which is define the relationship. And then this is where there's a moment of vulnerability and the man and the guy or the woman says, you know, I'm, I really like you. I'm really into you. I want, I want to commit to something. And maybe on that fateful day, she responds, yeah, I'm into you too. And they, they commit to going steady. No, you don't use that anymore, definitely. Right? What do you use? Boyfriend, girlfriend. You're committed to each other. You're an item. And for the man, I'm sure for the woman, it's a very euphoric moment. It's like you're really happy. This is like one of the best moments of your life. And you tell your friends, I can't believe she's really into me. You can't believe it. And things are going really well. And, uh, you know, in this particular situation, really well for about... Uh, six months, two months, 90-day trial period, and then something else happens. Something happens. He, he, it happens on the other, you know, she, but they lose his interest. There was so much passion, and there was the, the hunt of pursuing another person, and the once they're able to find and secure their affection, the person, I don't know, where did the passion go, Right? And what happens to the man is he just, I don't know, becomes bored or he loses interest and he starts looking at someone else. And now he's into someone else and he's, he's pursuing and, and, and hunting another object of his affection. Now again, this doesn't just happen to men. This happens to women too, but we're just picking on the men today. How many of you know 
someone like that? Raise your hands. Yeah, this is, this is very common. This is a very common thing. How many of you actually some time ago said yes to a person like that? And it like you think back on it, and it's like it's disgusting. I can't believe I said yes to going out with someone like that. No one here. That's good. That's good. That's good. You guys are very wise, very discerning. How many of you guys would say that you are like that? Okay. Now, this is for the men who've been married for a while. Do you remember the time when you were dating? Now she's your spouse, but you were dating her, and you would save the best of your conversation for the date night. So attentive to every detail. You even took a shower before the date. You remember those days? Okay, uh, women who have been married for a long time, do you remember when you would look at your man across the room and you would, you would, you would, it would, take, you would take your breath away? You women are like, what are you talking about? That never happened. <laughs> are, okay, but you know, you were still also very attentive to his needs too, right? Now, I honestly think that most people in the room have this struggle. And I will call it the slow fade. Now, let me tell you what I mean by this. I think we're all in the same kind of, um, we have all this common struggle. I told you that when I was younger, my greatest longing was for a girlfriend. Just, you know, the perfect spouse. That was my greatest longing. And I, I believed then in this theory called the one. The chosen one. Now, I don't know if you guys believe that theory, but basically the theory goes that, you know, before time began, God was looking at your lonely heart. And he, he sovereignly ordained one person who would be your perfect mate. And you call that the chosen one. And, and Calvinists, I think, you know, they really like that and they take that even further. You know, the, the chosen one, right? And then there's other people who believe in something different. I guess we'll call that, like, the many. You know, I, there's... There's a lot of people that I could probably date and would be suitable partners for me in life. And God has given me choice and wisdom and guidance to make a very good decision. So I would say for me personally, like, I've always believed in the chosen one. The one. Now that I've been married for more than 11 years, I believe in the chosen one even more. I believe that there is a perfect spouse for, 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 for every single person here who will provide for all of your deepest needs. And that perfect spouse for everyone in this room is Jesus Christ. If you are looking for the chosen one, Jesus Christ is your chosen one. Now, here's what a lot of us tend to do. Once we find Christ and we've gotten out of him what it is that we are looking for, we kind of lose interest. Like, I'm a Christian now, and I have security that when I die, I'll go to heaven. We'll just call that, like, fire insurance kind of, you know, faith. I got fire insurance, you know. I, I know that I've sinned, but Jesus uh, died for me, so he took my sins on himself. When I die, I'm going to heaven. I got fire insurance from Christ. And plus, God is really nice to have during a really hard time. He gives me comfort and security. And I'm like, thank you, God. You've given me what I need, especially during those dark times. 
So I'm good. But when things are going well for me, I take my interest and my joy and my free time and really I like to spend it on other stuff. That's really where my heart is. I'm not passionately pursuing God. Maybe there's a fair amount of us who have lost that passion. And it's been a long time that we've lost it. Maybe some of you right now, you're like, I just have to confess before God. With him, I'm going through like a a slow fade. Now, if that's you, there's really good news for you today. And the good news, the good news is that the best is still yet to come. Your best days of great intimacy with God are not behind you. They are ahead of you. The message for you today is that you don't have to stop hunting, desiring, once you get saved. No, the best days of intimacy with God are still ahead. Now, we are in this series in the Old Testament where we're covering the main themes in 12 weeks. Uh, In this month, we've been walking through slowly Moses on the mountaintop. And we've been addressing themes like idolatry and repentance and true worship. And today we're continuing that theme of true worship. Because you know the best way to get rid of a counterfeit God is not with another counterfeit God. But by replacing that counterfeit with true worship to the real living God. And so we pick up in verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Now, a little bit of context. Um, in, In chapter 19, God's people sort of made a marriage covenant with God. They said all the things the Lord has said we will do. They were exchanging vows to God. And then Moses goes up to the mountainside to ratify that covenant. And the people, really quickly, they break the covenant. And they start worshiping this golden calf, this idol. Moses comes down and he grinds the idol to powder. And then he says to the people, you've done this really awful thing. I'm going to go up and see if I can renew this covenant with God. And so this is Moses renewing this covenant with God. Now, the passage prior to this, God said to Moses... I'm going to send your people an angel. Now here Moses is like, ah, I don't, don't just send us an angel. We want you to go with us. And so he's like, he's leveraging the favor that he has with God on behalf of the people and saying, not just angel, but your very presence. Because how else can we be distinct as a people if you will not go with us? And then God says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. God is saying yes to his response. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? 
verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, I want you guys to repeat these next five words with me. Please show me your glory. And he said, now we're going to go back to this verse. In fact, I, I want to really focus on these five words. But let me just finish this text and explain it to you faithfully. And then we're going to go back here. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show, show mercy. Right there, uh, 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 Paul took that verse and it's like he built Romans chapter 9 and 10 on that verse, which is the doctrine of election right there. I'll be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will be gracious and show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, or in other words, the traces of my glory. But my face shall not be seen. Now, again, I want you to focus on verse 18. And here we see a man who is hungry for more of God. He says to God, please show me your glory. Five desperate words that come from the pit of his soul. Now some scholars believe that Moses here is, is just asking to see God's glory because it's his duty as a covenant mediator. And this is the, the means by which he's ratifying that covenant. And I'm sure that's a good interpretation, but I believe there is so much more that's going on here. It's, it's more than just a business transaction. Moses actually received what he came for. He wanted that covenant renewed with God. And you can see through the course of this conversation, God is saying, yes, I will do for you what you're asking. I will renew that covenant. I will be with the people. My presence will go with you. Moses got what he was asking for, right? But there's one more thing. You just imagine Moses going, one more thing from the pit of his soul. Please show me your glory. Now you keep in mind, this is, this is Moses who way back in Exodus chapter 3 saw God through the burning bush. Now that was a really amazing experience. And at that moment, you could say he became a believer. You know, he joined God's tribe. But you see, the rest of his life wasn't just losing interest in God and getting more into other stuff. That was not the end of his romance. It was the beginning of this divine romance that was going to burn brighter still. So for Moses at the burning bush way back in chapter 3, this was not the end. This was the beginning and the best was still yet to come. Now how many of you guys, when you first came to Christ, there, there was a lot of passion. There was a lot of joy. But you're like, oh yeah, that was like yesteryear. You guys, you see what's going on here. 
You see the encouragement. Moses is like, no, 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 no. It didn't just stop at the burning bush. The best was yet to come. Your best days of great intimacy with God are not behind you. It's ahead of you. And then the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. And God's power was working so, you know, so amazingly through Moses. You would think that Moses at that point might say, well, you know, I've, I've had enough of God for a lifetime. That's, I'm good. But there was still more. The best was still yet ahead. And then we read last week that Moses would pitch his tent far away from camp. And he would talk to God face to face as a man would speak to his friend. Now you might think at that point, that's all Moses could expect. But Moses is here on the mountaintop. The, 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 the covenant has been ratified. And he's like, five desperate words, please show me your glory. I haven't had enough. I want more of you. Now, some of us might be like, I don't understand. How can a man have so much of God and still want more? Now, you imagine Moses here, like, before you guys came. No, 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 that's not the question. The question for us is how can we have so little of God and be so satisfied with so little? A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, has this quote. He says, the whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless. Faith may now be exercised without a jar to the moral life and without embarrassment to the Adamic ego. Christ may be received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, but he's not hungry or thirsty after God. In fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and is encouraged to be content with little. Just imagine Moses speaking to us. Guys, how can we be content with so little? There is so much more in God to pursue. And that's the paradox. That once, once a person knows God, he doesn't feel like, oh, I've got enough, I'm good. But it actually causes him to want more. And that is the heart's paradox of love. That the more we find of God, the more we want him still. Uh, I want to invite Eric to, uh, to come up here and join me for a moment. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that I was feeling kind of discouraged in my relationship with God. And I was telling you kind of my story of coming to faith and, and how God kind of met me very powerfully. I, I told you that story last week. And since then, I've been praying every day, God... Help me to see you more. Help me to love you more. And like several months ago, I was at this place where I just kind of felt, gosh, I've been praying that every day, but I'm not seeing a lot of real progress in some of these areas in my life. I'm like, I was kind of thinking that in these areas, I'd be further along or deeper. And what's going on? I was kind of discouraged. And it was, it was during that time, actually, that our staff team, took a trip to City Team San Francisco. And we were touring around the facility, and then I had a chance to have lunch with Eric, who is the director at, at City Team San Francisco. And during that time, it was like a divine encounter moment. I felt like through Eric, God was speaking to me and encouraging me and telling me, no, Andrew, keep on going for me. Don't give up. The best days are still ahead for intimacy with God. And so I'm like, Eric... That was so encouraging to me. I wanted to call him up here so somehow we can kind of like reenact the conversation, you know. Uh, I was at a Chinese place, you know, and, uh, and, 
and so I was hoping, Eric, that you could just kind of tell your story to the congregation. Some of the same things that you told me that was such an encouragement. Maybe the first place we can start, just a little introduction. Maybe can you tell us about yourself? Um, uh, my name is Eric Venable. I am the director at City Team. You've met uh, Jonathan, I believe, uh, uh, Zinkow, who's our uh, recovery director. And uh, so I get to work with him every day. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm a kid of the Silicon Valley. I grew up in Sunnyvale. Um, went into full-time ministry uh, for about 20 years, spent most, probably a, a good chunk of that time as one of the ministers at Menlo Park uh, Presbyterian Church. Uh, I was there for about 10 years and uh, had a, a few other uh, different um, um, assignments, uh, left full-time ministry, and uh, actually had a, a stint of a number of years as a partner in a hedge fund. So um, yes, the only thing I didn't cover was lawyer, just who would you let trust less? Lawyer, pastor, hedge fund guy, right? So it's the only thing I, I didn't do, right? And, and God brought me to City Team in kind of this amazing way. But yeah, the first of the introduction was actually to build trust for me, but I build trust. Right? Yes, okay. I've destroyed it. Yes, <laughs> now, uh, so Eric, can you can you tell us? So you were a pastor at, at Menlo Park yeah. for how many years? Uh, about ten years. Okay, yeah. ten years. So during that time, I guess we can call that like the the early stages of ministry. Can you tell us what relationship with God was like? Yeah, I always had this love, and I think uh, identify this. Obviously, you don't go to the ministry if you don't love Jesus. I always had this love for Jesus, but it was, um, as I look back on it now, it was always this um, kind of bifurcated relationship that I had, that um, I loved Jesus and I wanted to do his thing, but I also had my agenda mixed in with his thing, right? So, and as I look back on it now, as I got success, as things would happen, as I would get opportunities, uh, I would pray to God to help me. And so really what I was doing, and I said, this is what I said to Andrew, what I figured out is that I was always building my own brand, right? And, I, and you can do this in almost every area of your life. But I was building my own brand. And it's kind of silly, but any context you're in, right, you, I, I would think, I want to be the big fish in whatever little pond I'm in. Right? So if I'm a pastor, I want to be the best pastor, right? So I'm writing for Zondervan, I'm, you know, speaking at conferences, whatever it is, I'm building my own brand. When it comes to my children, okay, how do I get them to the best place? How do we build our brand? Uh, this is, it, it, down inside, I'm always asking God to do my thing. And, um, and what I figured out is part of my intimacy with God would stop there. Because even the things I would ask God to do for me, even though there were the things that he said he wanted to do, he couldn't do it in my way. Because it would actually bring us further apart. So this is why sometimes I felt, personally, I just always felt silent from God. Uh, but there were times that God would do great things. And sometimes he would do amazing things. And one thing that God taught me was that he would do things and I would take partial credit for it. I have that. God did this. Wow, it was amazing to see what God did. Well, really, we did it together, right? And so you could see that even, and this is really especially for people who are in ministry, is that God does something and it, 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 it becomes part of their identity. Um, and so uh, I was always building, as I always thought, I was always building my own brand. And, and, and so it's a terrible brand, by the way. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible brand. Yeah. I, I, w I would say that right now in that conversation that we're having in that restaurant, I feel like at this point when you were talking about building your own brand, I was feeling conviction. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I was feeling. I was feeling conviction. 
just in this sense that, and I remember those words, Eve, are we, are we really, really wanting to glorify God, or really is there a secret agenda of building our own brand? Now, now something happened to you, Eric, and I, I don't think it was, it was just several years ago, right? Yeah. Okay, now can you describe what, what happened? Can you tell the story of what happened to you? Yeah, I'll, I'll be really brief. I can, I, I can go all day, and, and you guys don't want that, but um, uh, I, I, had a, I had a conversation with my brother. My brother is a, really a tremendous uh, man, he's five years older than me, so he's old. I mean, and uh, and uh, but he has a really uh, he has a, a love for God. And we were talking about our family history, and I love my relationship with God. Things were going well in it. We were talking about and this is the brief snippet. I said I looked at him, and I said, you know, we should be having adulterous affairs, and uh, neither of us are close to doing that. But um, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, our fa- my father, who's not a believer. Uh, he had an affair, he had affairs on my mother, and he was abandoned at three years old by his mother who was having affairs. So this is these lines that run in our family. And so we were talking about this, and I said, I wonder, I know that God has delivered uh, so much of this from us, and we're watching, really, our children live into a different faith than we grew up in, and we're excited to see that. And so it came from this real place of joy, but it was a wonder. I wonder if there are any other headwinds that have come down from my family. And so within a week, I have another conversation, and God tends to stack things like that with, with another friend, and we're talking about something different. We go on to this subject, and he kind of sheepishly shares that he, his wife and him have met this counselor that has really uh, done some kind of amazing things within counseling. And that subject of family, stuff that came through our family. So I go, I gotta, I, I'm excited. I go, I got to meet this counselor. Very quiet woman. I go and meet with her. And we have sessions where she, we pray through our family history. And I don't know what happened. I'm Presbyterian. I'm not charismatic. It wasn't a big ex- experience. But this, um, the voice of God started to get tremendously loud. Mm. My desire started to change. Mm. God started getting me up early like crazy early in the morning to talk with him. And he would say things. He was started to teach me how to listen to him. And it was and like... And, and so this sort of thing yeah. didn't happen before, like during 10 years? No, I would have great times of prayer. Right. But not like God would wake me up. Like the Holy Spirit would wake me up and be like, I mean, literally, I, it, literally, I would hear a voice. And some people, I know some people get pictures, some people have different experiences. I would literally hear a voice like, get up and make some coffee. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I would get up and... um. And, and I had this experience, and it would be like, I'm not getting that much sleep. And so uh, at City Team, and this is true, this is really true, we have these, we have all of these pastors throughout the world that we do things with, and these are amazing men. And they have teams that pray for them 24 hours a day. Um, we, have a t- we have teams in Sierra Leone and Ghana that are out in the villages educating on Ebola right now. It's one of our strong places. We've seen at City Team hundreds and thousands of Muslims come to Christ. And now all the other ministries that work with Muslims, uh, frontiers, pioneers, have come to our front door in the last few years to say, what are you doing? Right? Because God has this really neat movement. And it started with the poorest of the poor. Right? So, so I get our national, our national uh, director, a guy named Shadanke, who runs all of our international stuff. And Shadanke is, uh, uh, you, you, we have to have him visit if he comes. He's amazing. Mm. So, uh, because he has such obedience to who God is. Mm. So I said, hey, look, I'm getting up in the mornings, and I'm praying, and I'm not tired. And he gives me this theology that I never have heard in America. And he says, you know, he says, sometimes when you spend time with God, 
it is deeper than any rest you can receive, mm-hmm. right? That's good. Is it deeper than any rest you can re- re- receive uh, on, you know, uh, from natural ways? Because he has the same experience. That's cool. And I go, wow, that actually sounds very biblical. But, um, mm. but what it did, it pushed me further. If God woke me up at 3 in the morning and 4 in the morning, that I was going to get more than I would lose. Mm. It wasn't like, boy, I'm going to be tired by 5 o'clock. Right? So he started waking me up. He started talking with me. And he really taught me to listen to him. I would sit quietly. I'd read scripture. And I would sit quietly. But most of the time, what I was realizing is that he was trying to get me onto his agenda. Mm. And I had to pray long enough. And I'm not somebody who's, who prays. I'm the opposite of the Pam thing, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm the opposite. Uh, I am not, well, I'm not Asian, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could be. I was yeah. raised in the right. Bay Area, so you're halfway there, right? right. But um, I, I'm not that. So uh, to sit and listen is almost against all my temperament mm-hmm. and personality mm-hmm. and, you know, Myers-Briggs, all of that. But uh, there is such a joy in it. And God has just shown me place after place that his voice has become louder. And, and can, yeah. you, can you give us more snapshots of what it looks like to have that intimacy with God that he, you yeah. know, before it wasn't there, now it's being, what, what is that like? What, yeah. what, tell me more. Tell us more. Uh, yeah, and uh, ho- ho- I hope I can say any, any of this right. Um, if for me, it's been listening to his voice and, and, uh, and obeying him, whatever he, what he's calling me to do. But the biggest thing is just saying, God, what do you want me to do today? Uh, the joy has been this, waking up without any guilt, like, oh, I probably should be doing this more. Oh, God probably wants me to do that. Looking at things as problems rather now saying, God, you are in charge. You are going to go before me. You're giving me favor. Getting up in the morning and feeling God saying, I am with you today. Mm. Uh, what do you want to do? Mm. He is so excited about spending the day with us and in every little way. And so the things that were the strangest to me yeah. that happened almost immediately, and I'm going to be really vulnerable uh, here, right? and, uh, and this is what I told Andrew. I said, well, before, uh, if, for instance, and this is, there was some things like when it came to greed or lust, that's just you kind of say, oh, this is a human condition. I'm, I'm jealous of that mm-hmm. person. So when a thought like that came up, sometimes it would occupy my mind, right? So if I was, if I was driving down the street and, um, and there was a woman in, you know, in uh, yoga pants, I don't know who made this thing okay for women to wear yoga pants around, but uh, Lululemon, thank you very much, right? As a, as a guy, you could look, and it was easy to look and go, what was that, right? And to look back. Well, this is just the human condition, mm-hmm. right? If there's anything that was sensual as a guy because we're visual, uh, you could, it would catch your eye. After this time, all of a sudden, it would be like I'd see it, and I'd go, I don't want to look at it. I, I never thought that was possible as a guy. And it was almost like the renewing of your mind. And that was in everything. Within every place where you, I would start to feel fear, I would say, well, God, that's, that's really not who we are, right? And he'd go, no, I, we don't want to do that. So whether it was anger, mm-hmm. right? I work in the tenderloin now. There are days that I get cussed out on num- in numerous ways. And I remember just, I laugh because I'm like, I, there's no anger in me. Where, uh, where it had been before. And I'm not saying that because I think I've arrived. It's just that God's voice through this has gotten louder and louder. Yeah. And, um, and it has been fun to say, uh, like, all transparency. I've never had less money in the last 20 years than I've had in the last year. And, I have, and I've never been more content. 
and just say, hey, God, what do you want to do here? I, this, is your, this is your money, not mine. <laughs> you better do something about that account. It's getting pretty low. And God <laughs> says, no. And there's times that God says, don't worry, I am going to take care of you. And there's times that he has, I said, God, if you want to do that, you just tell me. And there's times that it's incredibly loud. It's also postured me towards people. When you're not looking to build your own brand, like when I was looking to build my own brand, I was always looking to make sure I connected with different people. Mm. So now when I walk into a room and I have a meeting, um, I don't, I just sit down and say, God, who, who, okay, God, who do you want me to talk to here today? Right? And sure enough, almost every time I sit down, I sit down to somebody that I, I don't know who they are, and it's the perfect person. Mm. That person that there's something, there's some connection they need to make. And, I, I, and I'm not kidding, because of, I could sit here for the next two hours and tell you story after story. I was praying one time, God says, go over to these people's house and pray for them. I haven't seen them in 10 years. And I'm like, really? You want me to go over there? Yes. And sure, sure enough, in the middle of my day, I went over there. They're an older couple. And I walked in. They looked around. Who are you? I go, hey, can I come in and pray for you? I'm like, oh, yeah, Eric, how are you? Come on in and pray. I pray for them. And as I'm leaving, after a little bit of conversation, they say, that's very interesting. You're the third person this week to come over and pray for us. And I go, that's, it wasn't my agenda. I just said, God said, I want you to go over there and pray for them. Sure. Right? Sure, no, Eric, I, I just want to connect your story with, with the, the message that we're tracking to with yeah. Moses here. Yeah. And here are some parallels, you know. Uh, by the way, at what age did you come to Christ? Uh, I was 16. Okay, you were 16. And then at this place where there was a moment of deliverance and there is this watershed of intimacy with Christ, what age was that? Oh, I, I'd rather not say my okay, age. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So, but it was recent, right? It was yeah, recent. It was, it was, um, it was yeah, about two to three years ago. Okay. Now, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people from our church. Yeah. And, and sometimes the conversations is like, there was a time of my life where I was really close to God. And it was normally like when I was in college, you know, and I had more time and there was this, there was a group there and, and I had really passionate moments with Christ. But then there was like this slow fade, there's, there's family and it's, it's been a long time yeah. since I've had that intimacy with God. Yeah. And uh, you can imagine me kind of feeling discouraged in some of my places of growth with God. And then God just slips in this conversation, Eric and his breakthrough, and all the enjoyment of intimacy. And, and for me, it was like, the best days are still ahead. Yeah. You know, these, there is breakthroughs. There is a greater intimacy with God to be enjoyed at a really old age. I'm kidding, at an yeah. older age. Yeah. And that's something, it's not like my best days are behind me, but my best days with God are ahead. So what would you say to people here who are kind of feeling like, yeah, I've kind of been flaming out. Yeah, the, those times with great intimacy, that was like, you know, way back decades. Yeah. And, and how would you encourage people like that? Um, yeah, just real quick, just a couple things. Like, number one, the fact that we sat next to each other I, was, a, was the same reason. I just went and sat down. And the way that our tables were set up yeah. that day that we had that conversation, yeah. um, it was interesting. We were off in the corner. And the rest of the team... Most of the pastors were having a conversation, and Andrew and I are over there going, literally huddled together, like, oh, what do you think? Anything? And I just was telling him these stories. And it's interesting, yeah. when, when you were sharing with me, I felt like it was God's oh, no, it voice, was. ultimately. I was like, for most of the conversation, just like, don't cry in front of this stranger. <laughs> do not cry. Come on, be a man. You know, I was just like holding back tears, because I felt like the message of your best intimacy with God is still ahead of you, Andrew. Don't give up. Keep on going. It was, it was just melting my heart. Yeah. I feel like ultimately it was from the Lord. Yeah. 
Uh, a couple things I would say this. There might be things that you need to put down. And I realize that part of the quote-unquote deliverance or whatever the Christian term we would use is that God was placing things down in my life. And there are things that we need to place down um, because ultimately, um, ultimately the thing that blocks intimacy is uh, self-sufficiency. Our own, God, and, and, and God can't come in and work in our lives um, on our agendas. We become, he becomes subservient to us in that scenario, right? We, he becomes, incre we, we want, I mean, we, we're using God to get what we want. And usually that end is, doesn't glorify him. And if we get to that end, uh, we take credit. So we, we steal God's glory. Um, and so in order to really get to know God, the one thing we have to do is really struggle with God. Are there any things you're asking me to put down? And, and that's not a, you know, hey, just take an hour over on the side. I think that's weeks and months and even years of just saying, God, what does it show me? Do, you know, how do I hold my marriage this way? How do I hold my family this way, my children, whatever it is, my career, our status, what car we drive, whatever it is in your life. Um, so what is it that you need to put down so God can say, great. Uh, so in, in you're holding these things. And what I always, my picture is this, that you have a true heavenly father. He knows you, he made you, and he wants to hold your hand and, and guide you. As a family, in your career, he has better things for you. And uh, we can only do that when we, we place everything aside, right? So that's one, of the, that's one of the big things. The other thing is the joy of knowing that, um, that God loves you. He loves you today just the way where you are. I know we say that, but he really means that when you wake up in the morning, uh, he, his expectations are he would love to spend the day with you and in every way. Everything you give to him, he will show up in. Every time you obey him, that's where he shows up. He shows up. And his expectations are low. He doesn't expect you to do these things in order to gain his favor. He really wants to be with us. And it's the voice that I love the most in him. And, and this happens all the time. In fact, I told Andrew this. Um, I, I, had, I had put up this project at my house. We, uh, we have probably 40 pictures and I make them a collage down one of our uh, hallway. And so as we kind of redid part of our house, um, I had to do this, and I was putting it off. And finally, I said to God, just kind of on a whim, you know, God, can, could, you, could you do this with me? I mean, can we have that type of relationship, yeah. right? That we kind of spend the day, like, can I talk with you through this? And I, I remember I took the, you know, I took a few hours putting up pictures and, you know, some are this way, some are that way. I've got two daughters and a wife with a camera, so I got a lot of pictures. And, um, and um, I remember putting them all up and they just kind of would work seamlessly together. And, um, and I realized that the God who is creative, having him come and having this conversation and thinking through things. And so over and over that God wants to be with you in everything you give to him and every, um, every conversation you have. Anytime I go in for a meeting, if I remember, I'll say, God, what do you want to do here? And you just show me. And almost every time he does, something crazy good happens. And then there's times, for instance, just a few weeks ago, uh, beginning of the school year, I got a call from a lady who helps us at City Team. In fact, they run a company, um, it's a steel company, and they hire a bunch of our, our, our graduates. And she called me up and said, one of the ladies that works in the office that does all this stuff, she can't get her son into this school, right? She goes, because um, my sister lives right behind it. She's a single mom. She goes, 
and I don't know what to do. So we're thinking maybe we could get her in. They live in San Jose. We could get her into Valley Christian. Could you help me with that? I don't know anybody at Valley Christian. So I said, I think, I think you called the wrong person, right? So she goes, oh, she kept talking. I go, no, no, wait. I go, I, go, I don't know anybody at the school. And then God kind of goes, think, why is she calling you? I don't know. Why is she calling me? I said, well, what school district is that school in? And she goes, oh, she goes, it's the Oak Grove School District. It's one of the middle schools at the Oak Grove School District, yeah. So then the Holy Spirit goes, who do you know at the Oak Grove School District? I go, oh, my sister is the speech pathologist for the, for the Oak Grove School District in their middle schools, right? And so within that day, um, and even before that, the Holy Spirit had already, I go, I said, look, time out. I know why you're calling me, right? So God is always at work. And when you start praying, you start delivering those things, all of a sudden you'll see that there, there are, I mean, God is very active. Uh, she, he is admitted to the school. At the beginning of the day, they said no. The next day, they let him in. Um, and it's a perfect scenario for a single mom that his, her son could go literally around the corner to his aunt's house and stay there after school till mom got off work. I didn't have anything to do with it. There's no credit. It's just God's working. And sometimes, depending on what he's done with you, when you're listening to him, he starts doing those things. That gives you security. And really what he's doing, he always wants to build affection in us towards him. And that's one of the big takeaways. I've gone um, too long. No, yeah. so actually originally it was supposed to be like seven minutes long, but <laughs> I, I felt that God was using you to encourage our people, and so we want to take time for that. Now, let me kind of tell you where I was planning on going for the rest of the message, just so that uh, when you guys go home, you guys can kind of unpack it for yourselves. If you look at the, 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 the next chapter, that's chapter 34, okay? Uh, remember, we left Moses in chapter 33 where he's like, please show me your glory. And God says, yeah, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to put you in that cleft. And then when my glory passes by, you will see the traces. Okay, now Moses in the next chapter, he sees the traces of God. And what happens when God shows himself, or at least the back uh, to Moses is he gives Moses a self-description of himself. Now, what I was going to do is teach you guys how to meditate. Because you might be wondering, okay, this intimacy with God, this is great. Is there anything I can do, or do I have to wait for some deliverance to zap me? And I, want, I wanted to say, yeah, there is something you can do. And the best way of taking scripture and driving it into your heart is through meditation. Now, I was going to walk you through steps of meditation, and we were going to meditate on each attribute of God. Now, you guys can do this on your own. You guys can do this this coming week. There is a lot there. If you look in your outline, we've kind of unpacked the different qualities of God. And it's one of those things where it's burning. And you don't want to just read it quickly. You want to slow down and really feast your mind and your heart. Driving scripture towards the heart. And, and meditation is a great way to do that. Now, that would be, you know, something that you can do practically coming out of this message. But while Eric is here... And I think the, the, the Spirit wants to encourage us. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come forward. And I'm just going to invite you, Eric, to, to join me in praying for our church. Would, would, you, would, you, would you do that with me? Uh, worship team, would you please come forward? And after we pray, we're just going to, we're just going to go straight into worship. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and, and, and yeah, I'll start. Father, in the past... Three weeks, we've been talking about um, idolatry. 
and how we can get so caught up on these lesser pleasures. And we've been talking about repentance, living a lifestyle that makes uh, our first love God. And now I just want to pray for our people. And and church, would 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 you all stand up? just as you're receiving this prayer. Lord, I I, I firmly believe that we cannot love God without God's help. We cannot love God without the power of your Holy Spirit. And so I, I ask just in faith that you will give to your people the, the Holy Spirit as they, they, they think about your, your word, as they worship you, that they would come to see that intimacy with you is the best thing in the universe, that, that all things pale in comparison to a deeper, more fulfilling walk with you. Lord, would you please forgive us because, you know, so many times we choose the lesser thing and we get satisfied with so little of you and so much of the lesser thing. And we know that that's offensive in your sight, but that you love us and you want us to make the most enjoyable thing the most enjoyable thing and you are the most enjoyable thing. Please forgive us for the many ways that we have failed to put you first and to love you with all our hearts. And I thank you for your kind words of invitation this morning that our best days of intimacy are ahead, not behind us. I thank you so much for Eric's example. And it's an encouragement to us to say, keep on going, keep on pursuing, keep on chasing after God. And the more that you have of God, it's not the less you want. The more you want God and your life is set on fire. And Lord, would you just set our lives on fire for your glory. And Father, we... uh we tell you um, that uh, we, we don't even begin to understand uh, the depth of who you are. And uh, um, we believe in you and we give ourselves to you today. Um, uh, Lord, would you send your spirit uh, to my brothers and sisters here, to me, to Andrew. Um, Father, would you rest on us in such a way that we would be willing to give up, that you would connect the pieces of the things that you, that are keeping us from getting at you. Um, Father, would you give us the mind of Christ that we would see you working and out of joy, obey you. Out of joy, go into it, whatever it would be. Um, Lord, we, uh, uh, you created us for you. And Lord, I, I pray that you would take out any headwinds, anything that's keeping us and blocking us from you. And Holy Spirit, I pray for each of my, uh, each woman here, each man, that, uh, that you would meet them. You say that if uh, we seek you, we find you when we seek you with all of our hearts. So give us the desire, Father, place the desire within us to seek you with all of our heart. And God would, uh, as it says in uh, Colossians 3, that our life is now hidden with you. And so would you hide us in you, Father? You know, uh, would you hide us from the things that have come to us? from the hardships that have come to us, would you let us understand uh, your bigger picture? Uh, but uh, Father, we love you this morning. And uh, we, we ask that you would uh, 
you would be real in our life, that your voice would rise and that you would teach us how to listen. Father, that you would send people into our lives to connect us to you for the words, for the places that we get stuck, that it would be, uh, it would be loud for the, for the hard things that we're facing, that your voice, your sweet uh, spirit would come and give us your peace and that, you would, uh, that we would learn what you want us to know. And so today, Father, we give ourselves to you and we ask for, uh, that you would send uh, the comforter, uh, the spirit of truth to us so that we might be closer to you. Um, we love you, Father. Thank you so much for your kindness to us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth.